Today we'll begin to study the first covenant on our series, which is the Adamic Covenant. This is found in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 to 19, which took place right after the fall of man into sin. If you remember, God created Adam and Eve in Genesis 2.15 and then He placed man in the beautiful garden of Eden. The view was great, the weather was wonderful and food was plentiful. It was like an all-inclusive luxury escapes honeymoon package for Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve could enjoy all of God's creation and eat of all the trees in the garden except for one, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Adam and Eve listened to Satan's lies and mankind as a result fell into sin. Now man is unquestionably guilty and deserving of the punishment of death. Now this is where I find so often that people think that God owes them a living. You know, we expect to be blessed with health and wealth, but the truth is this, that man deserves nothing but death. But praise be to God that we serve a God who redeems. And God already has a plan of redemption in His mind. And this plan was recorded for us in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. So let's read through this passage and understand this Adamic covenant. Genesis 3, verses 14 onwards. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With, lab- with painful labour, you will give birth to children." Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plant of the fields. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the, to the ground, since from it you were taken. For thus you are, and to thus you will return. You know, we serve such a gracious God who wants to redeem us even though we turn away from Him. Although man is ungrateful and stubborn, God chose to commit Himself to sinful man through this covenant. And in this covenant, that God made with humanity through Adam, you notice that there are seven key elements. And let me outline them for you. Number one, to the serpent, the Lord said, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. The first thing that God did was to put the serpent, which is Satan, in his place. You know, Satan could have either appeared as a serpent or he could have inhabited or possessed a serpent in order to deceive Adam and Eve. It could well be that prior to the fall of man, prior to this curse, that the serpent could well be walking on all fours. But after the curse, now it will crawl on its belly and it will eat the dust of the earth forever. 
I think this is a vivid picture, brothers and sisters, of how Satan will be defeated and brought down to nothing. And ever since then, snakes or serpents are seen to be vile and distasteful creatures. Isn't that right? So that's the first, that the serpent is cursed. Okay. The second is this, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Now, I'd like you to notice here that the enmity was initiated by God. And I think God did it for man's good. Why? Because if the bond between Satan and the woman is not broken, if God did not put enmity between them, then mankind will still remain united with Satan in his opposition towards God. And therefore, this was a very necessary step towards the redemption of mankind. Number three is this. Not only will there be enmity between you and uh, between the woman and the serpent, but between the serpent's offspring and hers. You see, God will also put enmity between Satan's offspring and the woman's offspring. And the word enmity is the Hebrew word abao, which actually means hostility or hatred. This is actually drawing the battle lines now between the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. They are like two camps that are now going to be at war with each other. And this struggle continues down the corridors of time right up to today. But more than that, this statement that I will put enmity between your offspring and hers is actually an incredible prophecy of the virgin birth because it is the seed of the woman who will be in conflict with Satan. Now, listen carefully to this. The, this concept of the seed of the woman is very unique. Why? Because the seed is usually reckoned through the man and not the woman. It is always the man who determines the line of descent. But here we are told distinctly that it is the seed of the woman who will crush the head of Satan. And there is only one man who can fulfill this condition. And he is Jesus of Nazareth, who alone was born of a virgin. You see, born of a woman without a man. And therefore, his descent was actually from the woman, you see. And, and I think there is now that enmity between the offspring of Mary you know, the virgin and Satan. Number four, listen to this. And in that conflict, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And then this conflict between the two camps is now zoomed into a hand-to-hand combat between two individuals. God said to the serpent, which is Satan, that the offspring of the woman, singular, In other words, it is referring specifically to Jesus Christ. You know, will crush Satan's head while Satan will only strike his heel. Now, understand that both these words, crush and strike, they are the same, they are rooted in the same Hebrew word, shof, S-H-O-O-F, and they both describe grievous wounds. And what a hidden picture of the cross where Satan will bruise the hands and the heels of Jesus, but the cross will result in the crushing of Satan's head. Now, while both will sustain grievous wounds, what Jesus will do to Satan will be fatal and final. 
And this is the seed of the gospel hidden in the Old Testament. Isn't that right? Now, I'll talk more about that later. But here's number five. I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, the Lord then said to Eve, as the man will have to toil in his work, so the woman will now give birth with great pain. The word pain, tishabon, in the Hebrew actually means sorrow, hardship, toil. So when it comes to childbearing, there will be great sorrow, hardship, toil, okay, and the pain will be severe. It would definitely refer to physical pain. But more than that, it is also talking about the sorrow, the hardship that can come with bearing and raising children that are born in sin. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote here. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith love and holiness with propriety. Now, now a woman's desire, the Lord said, will be for her husband and he will rule over her. I like what the New Living Translation uh, translates this. It says, you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now, it is important to remember that this verse in, in Genesis 3 simply describes the outcome of the fall, which is this, your desire, he said to the woman, will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. It is describing the outcome of the fall, but it is not a biblical command for man to dominate woman. So it's nothing of that sort. So what does it mean when the Lord said um, to, to, to Eve that your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you? What does it mean? See, when God first created man and woman, they were meant to exist in harmony and interdependence. But with the entrance of sin, man and woman will now have ongoing conflicts. Right? Why, why do I say that? Isaiah 53 verse 6, the prophet Isaiah described it so beautifully. He said, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned into our own ways. And God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, I think Isaiah really described the condition of mankind after the fall really well. He said that when man fell into sin, not only did we go astray from God, but we also go astray from one another. We are estranged now in our relationship, not just with God, but also with one another. See, we turn away from one another. And from that point on, there is that power struggle. There is not only the, the breakdown of relationship between, between mankind, but there is also a power struggle that begins now between man and woman. See, the battle of the sexes has begun. The man who is supposed to love and care for his family now seeks to rule over the woman. It results in tyranny. And that was never meant to be. The woman who is designed to look to and submit to her husband now wants to wrestle control from him. And how many of you agree that is the root of many marital breakdowns? 
the whole feminist and gender equality narrative is focused on what? Focused on rights, the rights of a man, the rights of a woman, rather than on responsibility. It is focused more on dominance rather than function. And it defies the biblical worldview where God is the one who designs us and therefore He alone can define us okay, rather than the other way around. But the good news I have for you, brothers and sisters, is this, that the cross has redeemed our relationship both with God and also with one another. We have now been delivered from this curse. Our relationship with God and man has been restored through Jesus Christ. And so today, we can live out Ephesians 5.33. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. See, notice the focus uh, of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 when he describes the, the marital relationship. You notice that Paul was not focused on rights, but he was totally focused on responsibility. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know that our marriage is not a contract between a man and a woman. It is a covenant. And because it's a covenant rather than, and rather than a contract, it is not based on 50%, 50%, but rather it is 100%, 100%. Meaning which? It is unilateral, you see. When we come into this relationship, when we come into that covenant relationship of marriage, we are not saying, I will do my part only if you will do your part. But we are saying, I'm going to do my part whether or not you do yours. See, that is what the covenant is all about. Therefore, the wife does not say to the husband, you know, you want me to, to submit to you, you want me to respect you, then you better love me first. And the husband cannot say, until you respect me, until you honour me, until you submit to me, why should I love you? Then we have become 50%, 50%. But we are 100%, 100%. No matter what you do, my responsibility is to love my wife. No matter what I do, my wife's responsibility is to respect me. See, but when we begin to have this 50%, 50% mentality, then what is the problem there? The problem is this. The focus is no longer on our responsibilities. The focus are on our rights. But today, I will say, I will respect and honour my husband as unto the Lord, no matter what he does. I will love and cherish my wife as unto the Lord. And then we mutually will submit one to another as unto the Lord. See, and thank God we have been, re we have been uh, released from this curse. See, and here's number six. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. And the Lord said to Adam, Now work has degenerated into toil because of the fall of man. Because why? Because now not only has mankind fallen, but earth, the whole earth has fallen together with man. And from now on, man will eat the fruit of the land with hard labour. You see, prior to the fall of, of, of man, and prior to the fall of, of nature, man just have to plant the seed and then reap the harvest. But now we have got to deal with thorns and thistles, with weeds and natural disasters and all of that. Why? Because the whole earth has fallen. Now, but what is more critical is to note the root cause. What is the cause of this? 
Genesis 3 verse 17 say this, To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and you ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. See, now the earth is cursed. The ground is cursed. Why? The problem is not about the fruit that they ate. It was the abdication of responsibility. Hear me. Adam chose to listen to the voice of Eve rather than the voice of God. And that was the problem. Now, hear me. There is definite wisdom in listening to our spouses, but only insofar as they are aligned with God's will. It is the responsibility of the man to lead his family in the ways of God. And gentlemen, can I just take a moment to address you? Gentlemen, this is our God-given role. And if we abdicate our role, it will lead to the detriment of our family. It is our responsibility to lead our family in the ways of God. You see, and you and I are called to be prophets, priests and king for our family. And as a prophet, I need to speak God's word to my family. As a priest, I need to stand in a gap and pray and intercede for my family. As a king, I need to lead my family lovingly in the ways of God. And gentlemen, I want to encourage you this morning. Let us take up our rightful role. And all the women and all the wives will say, Amen. You see, and this is our role. And the root cause was because Adam abdicated his role, it has resulted in all that mankind is going through. And lastly, number seven is this, to dust you are and to dust you will return. You see, when mankind fell into sin, it has to end somewhere. And it was at this point that God introduced death to dust you come and to dust you will return. He introduced death so that sinful man will come to a termination at some point rather than to go on in his sinful state. See, for the wages of sin is death. See, but the gift of God is eternal life. And this is also the reason why the first thing God did was when, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, was he chased them out of the Garden of Eden. Remember that? And then he placed cherubims, angels with flaming swords to actually prevent man from ever coming back into the Garden of Eden. Why? Because he, God needed to stop them from partaking from another tree, which is the tree of life. Why? Because if they partake of the tree of life while in their sinful state, then they will be eternally sinful. But God makes sure that that will never happen. So He chased man out of the Garden of Eden, put flaming angels with flaming sword to prevent them from ever doing that so that sinful man will end at some point. And it is through death that we will end. Sin must end with death. See? And so it says, for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. But the gift of God is eternal life. Now, from when you look at these seven elements, you will realise that within this covenant, the basic elements of earthly life, which includes providing food, performing work, bearing children, relieving pain, facing death, 
they are all incorporated into the Adamic covenant. These are all aspects of life that are unavoidable. And with, with the fall of man, these basic elements of life are radically changed. Work now becomes toil. Childbearing becomes painful. Pain, disease becomes a part of human life. Death became the end of all mankind. The destiny of mankind is drastically changed forever. But what is God's answer? Hidden within the Adamic covenant is the answer of God. It's the redemption of God. And why? Because the good news is that there is a game changer who will step into human history. He is God's secret weapon. He is the hero of mankind who will step into the arena of human history and begin to turn things around. He is the second Adam, you know, who will come to do what the first Adam failed to do. And his name is Jesus. He is the offspring of the woman that is prophesied in Genesis chapter 3. He is the son of the living God. And he is the one who will take on Satan, our arch enemy, in mortal combat and triumph over him. While Satan may strike his heel, Jesus will crush the head of Satan forever. This is the prophetic uh, story of the life and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it points us to one thing, the cross of Calvary. Because it was there on the cross, brothers and sisters. Colossians chapter 2, verses, 12, uh, verses 13 to 15 says this, When you were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sin, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, and He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know, Satan thought that he had won when he nailed Jesus to the cross. But little did he know that with every blow of the hammer, he sealed his own defeat because it was on the cross, Satan's power was broken and destroyed. And there on the cross, the penalty of sin was paid in full and the power of sin was broken. And this is what the Adamic covenant was pointing towards. You see, and it is the promise of redemption that is already right there in the Garden of Eden. It also signaled the start of the cosmic battle between God and Satan, between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, between sinful mankind and, and the, the seed of Satan and the church, the redeemed of the Lord. The battle between the flesh and the spirit continues right up to today. But this covenant brings out these present realities of life. Today, all of mankind still struggle with the problems and the pains associated with the fall of man, associated with sin in our labour, sicknesses, birth, death, marriage, community, etc. We still experience this, the, 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 the effects of the fall. But behind it all, we recognise that it is a battle between the offspring of Satan and the offspring of the woman. It really, behind all of this, is a spiritual conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. But the good news I have for all of us is this, that this battle climax at the cross where Satan bruised the heel of Jesus, but Jesus crushed 
the head of Satan forever. And today, we, the redeemed, are on the winning side and we are fighting from a position of victory. Today, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 to 39. Listen and be encouraged today. Now, in all these things, Paul wrote, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither depth or height, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to know that greater is He who is in us than he who is in the world. God has given us the victory in Christ Jesus. We have been made more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Now, you may ask, Pastor Benny, what does it mean to be more than conqueror? I thought conqueror is already tops. You know, how to be more than conqueror? Now, let me illustrate this for you. And I pray you encourage you. Now, imagine, if you can, that I actually am a professional boxer. Now, I know it's hard to imagine, but just stretch your imagination. Imagine that I'm a professional boxer. So this morning, I went to the boxing ring and I bashed my opponent up and then he bashed me up. But in the end, I'm blue and black, but I won. So I take the prize money and I went home. When I reached home, I knock on my door. My wife opened the door and the first thing she did, she stuck out her hand and she says, where is it? And I meekly hand over the prize money to her. Now, what is that? I am a conqueror, right? I won, but my wife is more than conqueror. Why? Because I was the one who was bashed up. I'm the one who became blue and black. I'm the one that, that had to sustain all the pain, but she's the one who is enjoying the benefits of what I had done. Isn't that right? And this is exactly what Jesus has done. He was the one who went to the cross. He was the one who was bruised and battered. But who is enjoying the benefits today? You are. I am. We are. So Jesus is our conqueror. But we are what? More than conqueror. And I want you to know that today, we who are in Christ, we have become more than conquerors through Him. So Paul declared in Romans 16, verses 19 and 20, he says, Everyone has heard about your obedience. So I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And then he tells us this, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. We are right back to where we started, isn't it? When God said to the serpent, curse are you, you know, that the, the offspring of the woman will, one, will crush your head. And it's true. Not only did Jesus bruise the head of Satan, but we who are in Christ, we are destined to be more than conquerors and we too will crush Satan underneath our feet. And the key to this victorious Christian life is this, walk in obedience to God. Be wise about what is good and innocent of evil. And this God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath our feet. You know, so much can go wrong in a fallen world. But the good news I have for you, brothers and sisters, is that our covenant-keeping God already know right 
from the start. And he had a redemption plan in place. And he fulfilled that plan. He carried out the Adamic covenant by coming as the, first, as the second Adam. He paid the price on the cross of Calvary. And today, we are made more than conquerors. So whatever you may be going through today, I challenge you, keep the faith. Stay obedient to the will of God. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath our feet. Let's bow and we have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that the truth of the Adamic covenant will begin to capture our hearts. Lord, we begin to recognize that we serve a God who knows the, the beginning and the end. God, we serve a God who already has a redemption plan in mind even before we exist. And Lord, we thank you that you already have a plan to redeem all of us back to yourself. And you have fulfilled that plan when Jesus came and on that cross, while Satan bruised his heel, he crushed Satan's head. And today, you made us more than conquerors. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will continue, that your Holy Spirit will strengthen every one of us today so that we can continue to walk in obedience to you. We can continue to trust you in every situation that we are going through. And we thank you, Lord, once again for being our Redeemer, our Saviour, our covenant-keeping God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.